Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow for SB Live Sports. Looking forward to today's conversation, a repeat guest, somebody that I enjoyed having on a year or so ago. I'm looking forward to hearing the updates of the program that he's involved with, as well as one of his initiatives uh, that he is very passionate about. Georgia Tech assistant coach, Eric Reveno. Coach, appreciate you joining. You guys, I'm sure, are getting into the meat of preseason practices. What's it looking like down in Atlanta? Well, we are in the thick of it for sure. You know, as we were talking before, the humidity is broken, the thick of the humidity is breaking, but the thick of uh, college basketball seasons upon us. And it's, it's great. Well, you know, we had a great year last year, won the ACC championship, such a crazy year for everybody. And to finish that, like we did is such a reward that frankly, maybe a few more teams deserved after the year we all had, but we were fortunate to get that championship and a nice big ring and all that. Now we're turning the page and we lost Moses Wright, our center, all AC, uh, ACC player of the year. And then Jose Alvarado, defensive player of the year and our point guard, heart and soul. So we're replacing that. Um, we've got talent back. And like every team, I think all your guests are probably when you ask them, how's it going? It's like, well, we got a lot of nice pieces, but a long way to go, you know, or we got a lot of work to do, or I really like our team. And, and all those are true. I, I, I would, I would endorse all those statements because it's just a matter about putting it together, but uh, ACC basketball is high level and we're excited for it. And uh, we're actually, uh, I get to see the Zags this year because we're, we're, we're uh, December 18th in Phoenix. They're playing uh, Texas tech and we're, we play after them against USC. So uh, that'll be good. Well, that'll be a great West Coast, almost West Coast swing for you. Maybe you see a few familiar faces, at least on the media side. But, you know, with my coverage of the media a season ago, I was going to have a Georgia Tech game. The game was canceled for CBS Sports about two hours before the game due to a COVID test. How difficult was it for you and your staff to just walk through last year? Because everybody's approach and everybody's experience seemed to be very different. If you weren't paying attention and you were trying to go as business as usual, it could be very frustrating. But if you kept a little bit of perspective, turned on the news once in a while and realized what everyone was going through and how good we really had it, uh, it was manageable, you know? Our run was something uh, was tough. I mean, it was all tough. The game with you, you mentioned got canceled. We had tough, and you know it, we we got 19 league games in, and uh, it was great. And and you know we had we had our we had our issues with stuff, but uh, but then the ACC tournament. You know we get to the ACC tournament. Um, we play at Wake on Saturday, win, 
and then go to the hotel, uh, very nice hotel, uh, and, and stay there, just quarantine up on Sunday and don't play in the tournament till Thursday. And then we end up winning the or Wednesday, and then we uh, end up winning the championship on Saturday. Uh, and we have Moses Wright, ACC Player of the Year, uh, test. And this is just craziness. Like he tested. I don't know if I'm supposed to say too much, or if the word got out that it was him. I got at the time you couldn't say, but you know, and I won't give the details. But it's a lot of back and forth, and he tests. And he ends up not being able to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, and no symptoms, no nothing. And but but we get to the NCAA tournament and have to quarantine and stay in a hotel there. Uh, but he couldn't play in the NCAA tournament, end up losing the first round to Loyola Chicago. And you can look at that and go, God, boy, if we had had Moses, but at the same time, we had Moses for the championship game against Florida State, you know, and won the championship. We could have lost him the time before. So it really kind of recentered your gratitude meter a little bit on what you sort of put your priority and just be grateful for the opportunity to do this. And boy, it feels great now. No mask in practice, get to hit guys with a pad and, you know, get back after it. And so it gives me a little appreciation for what we're doing this year, a little less constricted. I like that term grateful meter. I think it's something that hopefully COVID influences coaches, players, just people to be grateful for more of the little things because of everything that we've been through. And hopefully we can get through this quickly because I know it's wearing on a lot of people. And I'm, and, I, and I'm trying not to lose that. Like I talk a good game. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know, it, a lot of that stuff's just reminder to myself, you know, it's like, I would try to, you know, it's just, I'm like, you know, it's just to, to things to be grateful for, you know, it's just like you say, if we can learn, we learned a lot during COVID and a lot of people struggled and uh, uh, the whole last year on all, all this stuff, you know, but trying to keep that in perspective and trying to remind ourselves going forward and not forget it. You mentioned you guys beat Florida State in the ACC tournament title game. Florida State isn't necessarily the team most people think of when they think of the ACC. It's usually Duke, North Carolina, but Florida State has been pretty dang good under Leonard Hamilton. Give us a little outlook overview of the ACC this upcoming season. You know, Florida State, you're exactly right. It's an interesting thing, having been out here and in it closely, why they don't get that respect, you know, and they're hard to play. They're different. They're so long. They've got last couple of years, they've had first round draft picks that didn't start for them, let alone their starters and whatnot. I mean, it's been so deep, so good play so many guys. I mean, you get out and you see JC games and stuff where they're playing 12, 11, 10, 11, 12 guys. And they're right. Florida state's like that with their talent level. They have, they play so hard, they, uh, compete and guys are coming in and out and they're still, you know, good energy. And so it's an impressive thing and they'll be good again this year. Um, you know, you know, everyone says Duke, North Carolina, you know, uh, coach K and, in, in uh, going into, uh, sort of his, his last final year victory, you know, his well-deserved, uh, final tour and, uh, we should get t-shirts, coach K t-shirts, but, uh, for a tour, but, uh, um, they'll do, I'm sure Duke will think of that. They, they don't miss many beats, but, uh, you know, they're going to be good again and, and North Carolina, they're going to be good again, even though coach Williams, who I respect and think the world of is, is retiring and, um, trying to think of a pick that would be sort of a unorthodox pick, um, you know, it's just we're, we're probably, you know, in the, with 15 teams, you, you, 
you kind of just got to try to battle to not fall into that bottom half, get to the top half. And all of a sudden you're an ACC tournament team. We finished fifth last year in the regular season. It was a funny season, of course, because everyone played someone different uh, a little bit, but um, you know, in Virginia, you know, Virginia is going to, is always really good. So you sort of have those teams and you just, you got to battle to be in the top half. And then uh, look to, uh, look to uh, make the, uh, you know, then you have a chance to make the SOA tournament. What I was going to say is what's interesting. The thing also I've learned here is that how being different in this league, we, we play a little different than everyone. So it's, you know, uh, mixing up some zone and different things offensively, but it's, you're always trying to stay ahead of everybody because it's well, it, everyone's well prepared and good players. So you've spent a few years, I believe you're going into year six, if I'm yes, correct. So you're going into year six at Georgia Tech. So you've seen the ACC in depth for a number of years. You played at Stanford, was an assistant at Stanford, but then you stayed on the West Coast and you were around the Pac-12 while you were probably recruiting or evaluating guys while you are at University of Portland. What's the biggest difference in ACC basketball versus the Pac-12? Sports are different out here. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the communities we live in uh, that, that are different. You know, uh, Stanford, Georgia, like I know my neighbor next to me has a Clemson flag flying. Um, there's a bunch, there's a few guys, there's a, there's a, the few, a guy, two doors down is a Georgia tech guy. And I, I don't know them, but I know their flags. They got flags. I drove home last night and I almost stopped to take a picture. Uh, three houses in a row around all have different college flags. It's like Auburn. And like, I mean, like in my, in California where I grew up, like, you didn't know where people went to school. You didn't know what team they're rooting for. You know, I get, you know, there's, but it's just, it's just more part of the thing. So the, 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 the passion level, you know, um, uh, for, uh, for athletics, you know, you, you look at like PAC 12 football, you start trying to figure out how they can get up and compete with the sec and stay at the top, you know, get up toward the, the top of the power five. It's just different out here. And it's just the passion and commitment to college sports for better or for worse. That's what it is. ACC basketball, just the history of the basketball here, you know, just the, the every, every program is, is, is elite more or less in terms of their commitment and what they're doing. And so that's, that, that's different. I think, um, you know, I love the Pac-12. You know, it's what I grew up in. I love the WCC. Um, I think the Big Sky is interesting. I like the West Coast conferences right now. You know, um, and but but I, I just think you know the WCC. I love the schools. I love you know Gonzaga. It'll be interesting now with the shifts. But the Pac-10, with Pac when I was there, and the Pac-12 now has some really neat schools and institutions and a good diversity of institutions and good ge geography and great places to go and ACC has a little bit of that we have a broader footprint a little but we do have diversity of schools from Notre Dame to Florida State to Syracuse I mean we're talking Syracuse I didn't even mention it's going to like it's 47th head like can you believe like Bayhan like the history there this the Carrier Dome every place Notre Dame athletics and you know, you, and, and that's, you know, Duke and North Carolina. And it's just, uh, it's just, a, it's just, it's just a, a lot of great competitions. Spent a number of years as a head coach at University of Portland. And I thought you were doing a tremendous job there. Obviously, administration wanted to, to go with the change. That didn't work out. They've got a new head coach in Shante Leggins, who I think is going to do a tremendous job. After you get some space from a program and, and a job that you held for a while do you follow the university of portland with 
kind of an eye on cheering for them? Or how does that work? Because I know as a former player, it took me a while. Hey, you traded me. I want you to be down in the dumps for a while. Yeah. No, my wife was more there, to be honest. She was she was more <laughs> like, she was a little more. I quickly made the, men. you talk about positive self-talk. I quickly focused on the 10 years I had there and raised my family and living in North Portland. Uh, not North Portland. I live in Southeast, but school's in uh North, uh, North Portland, but the community I got to live in the Portland, I love Portland. And, and so for 10 years as a college coach, to be a head coach of that program, like it's not cliche. It was, it was fantastic. I want to use the word glorious, but that sounds too much. It sounds, you know, but I love the school. I love connecting. So I would, I'd follow is like the student newspapers, the beacon. Um, Malika Andrews was this, my student reporter. She's now with ESPN doing great. And, 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 and the, the, the teachers there, the, the advisors there that work with them, I follow what they do. I follow the other sports, the other coaches. Um, I saw, so you know, uh, the, the, some of the administrators, even I, I reach back and, you know, and, and talk to them some, you know, uh, our, our team, our team uh, chaplain at Portland, uh, Father Jerry, no longer there. He's now the Dean of Students at Notre Dame. I see him every time we go there. Uh, Scott Lakeham, the AD and stuff, you know, that's a little awkward, but uh, at first, but then we got, I, I've reached out and had opportunity to come by and I finally went by there. Um, I'll be honest, you know, the coaching staff, it was awkward for them and you stay away from that. So basketball and the former players, they kind of cleared guys out a little bit. And I didn't think that was a smart move on their part. And I'll say it now, but Jazz Johnson and, uh, you know, some, uh, 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 some guys were, were very good, you know, that, that ended up doing well. Um, and so uh, anyways, but, but the basketball wise, it's awkward. And so I didn't watch them play basketball. I wasn't, I wasn't interested in watching them play, but the school and the community that I was a part of you, that you part, you get, I'm sure the NBA wise, you trade and you still, your family has friends and you have stuff and it, but the basketball team, it was the more of the school I could see with the pro situation like that. Um, but they're good folks. And Shante Leggins, you know, the, uh, uh, they asked me to do a little uh, a video for him on his welcome. So I was on the, they had me welcome on his welcome day and I did a little video. Uh, and for Pacific Northwest folks, I did it and felt great about it because Jack Avina did it for me. Jack Avina had been fired by University of Portland and was a longtime coach there. And, 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 but he, when I got the job, he reached out and was so gracious and, and, and coaches are coaches and you stick together. And I really wish him the best and, and think he's, I think he's got the, the right energy and, and, and can do the, and do great things there and stuff. So I'll, I'll be, I'm always uh, try to be supportive and positive. Jack Avina is a name I have not heard in years. I grew up in the Portland area, moved to Vancouver when I was in second grade. The first, I guess you could say, big basketball camp on a college campus that I went to was the Jack Avina basketball camp. I was probably nine years old at the time. Uh, I remember that clearly. So thanks for bringing that thought back into my head. Yeah, yeah, no. You played, you went to Howard Hall, though. You had the hoop up, and you were going to the old Howard Hall and, and playing hoops in there. They had some pretty good runs back in the day in there, I understand. So. Oh, uh, Howard Hall is one of the best. It, it, was an, uh, it was like on the second floor of an old rec center building. Oh, pool, and pool if in the you basement. didn't know where the dead spots were, that ball was not coming up when you dribbled it, and it was a turnover. The other team was going the other way. Yeah, we didn't need to use cones for practice. Just put it. This just have the dead ball, dead spot right there. You just go around that. You know. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, you've spent time as a head coach and now as a assistant coach. 
when you're in the midst of a game and you sense the team needs maybe a, a switch uh, in offensive or a defensive philosophy on the fly, how do you, with the head coaching experience you have, bring that up to a head coach, whether it's in a timeout where coaches are huddling before you talk to the team or quickly passing a message on down the bench? Um, you know, it, I try to focus, keep my focus on two things. One, solutions and not just problems. So any good assistant, any coach out there, like as it says, like, like coaches are notorious for pointing out that new young assistants point out problems. We're getting our ass kicked, excuse me, on, uh, on rebounds. You know, we're getting there, there. We can't, we're not, you know, okay, what's the solution? What's the solution within what we do? And, and so having that awareness. And then um, the second thing is watch benches where you get four assistants, four, three assistants and one head coach, all coaching the current play, the possession that's taking place. I try not to be that guy that we're playing a guy with four fouls. Coach Pastor is like number one in the country of playing guys with fouls, which I think is great. I learned a lot from that because you, you're not taking them out more than you should. And you, he plays his best players, which was nice and sounds pretty obvious but he really does a good job of playing our best players a lot and and works and manages that but the the you're watching if you're playing a guy with four fouls knowing the advance who you're going to suggest for um uh suggest to put in so uh when that guy fouls out not having that surprise so you create a calmness on the bench so when a prop when you recognize something you have a solution and hopefully the rapport and all the meeting we do i can find a solution that like, yes, you know, um, and then also you just tell them, I just stand up and I'll walk and I'll walk down and like with this COVID bench, sometimes I didn't mind being down there and they may, I'd have to get up and walk and, you know, almost want to get out my cell phone and text them, but, you know, uh, cause he's so far down there, but you, you just tell them. And if it, hit, it hits right. The other thing is a, a, that you learn and that I learned is some like late in the game substitution stuff. He doesn't need three guys talking at him, you know, like, I mean, he just like you like, he, especially when he understands the decision he has to make, he doesn't need you pitching your he knows what he's got to do. And you got to give him some space to do that. So hopefully and answer your question, that perspective to give him what he needs when he needs it. And, and that understanding uh, will allow me to give it to him in, a, in a, an efficient, timely manner. Sometimes he doesn't take it like like coach. He's got four fouls. I get him out and he and he kind of. He kind of like he's like a he's like a he's like a, a a pitcher shaking off the signal, you know. He just kind of <laughs> another one. He wants the heater, you know. He, he's he's waving me off, which I respect too. It's not a lot of conversation. That's why it's that's the hard job. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I've seen when I call games or I'm watching as a fan, both sides of staffs and how they approach their head coach. And and that's an interesting dynamic uh, to watch for sure. Well, college athletes. Sorry, the key there too, and I learned is adjusting to him, like being like giving him what he needs. Being a good assistant is about adjusting and, and giving him what he needs, not having him try to adjust to us, you know. And at different times in the game, and reading that, so sure. I love it. Yeah, college athletes are kind of in a unique period of their life where they're focused on their sports. They want to make the most of their career. Some of them have aspirations or maybe opportunities to play at the next level and make money. But for the most part, most guys are trying to get a degree and, and find and navigate their way into normal adulthood. And part of that is understanding and figuring out who you are and what some of your beliefs are. 
I really respect one of the things that you became involved with last year. It's an initiative that you started uh, and really got a lot of coaches and players across the country behind. Uh, it's called All Vote, No Play. We're coming up, I believe, on year two of this. Tell us a little bit more about where this came from and what year two might look like with this initiative. The quick, I appreciate that. Um, the, 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 and thanks for letting me talk about it. The, the, the quick uh, story is we had a, a Zoom call and we were talking about voting, talking about George Floyd, talking about all kinds of things. I hung up the call and realized that, you know, there's, I hadn't done much in my career. I hadn't done a lot in this area. I sort of had good kids and sort of assumed politics would take care of itself. And I assumed things were, were progressing better than they were. And, um, and I didn't really take that part of my responsibility to help these guys, like you so well said, transition from, from, from being a college student to being a, a full grown contributing member of the community. Um, and, and so, uh, last year we started all vote, no play with the idea that the NCAA could make a rule that on election days is off so that schools focus on that. So it makes it a priority for college programs. It's 500,000 NCAA athletes. And, and if we can get those people engaged, they, be, if they register and vote, they become more likely engaged as for the rest of their life. Well, fast forward, it ended up going through the NCAA process and Division I Student Athlete Advisory Committee, D1 SAC, proposed it. And they took it one step further. They said, not just elections, but let's do it every first Tuesday of November. Let's have it off for civic education and, and uh, engagement. That's a great idea. So now it's every year. So fast forward to year two, we've got this day off. Whether there's an election here in Atlanta, a big one, um, you know, and there's there's... 30 states or some odd states with elections. There's a lot going on still. Local elections are really critical. They're hard to school board, sheriff, who knows, you know, this stuff is hard. They're all hard, but they're all important. and maybe more important impacting your life and how you how your day to day goes. So allvotenoplay.org was a site started out of a group by Vote by Design, which is out of Stanford that is nonpartisan group to help support these activities. Go to allvotenoplay.org, high school, college is great, has 30 uh, civic drills uh, designed for coaches. So my role here was kind of hammering them on, okay, that's too much words for coaches. Coaches want short, the coaches want the solution. Coaches want nice and easy. Coaches need time with their team, coaches need it. So there's 30 things that teams can do. And so we're urging coaches to, to go on there and find things to do on this off day or at other periods during this time. Tremendous, regardless of whether you lean Republican or you lean Democrat, uh, that's not the point of this. The point is to be a more aware citizen as they move into uh, holding jobs, raising families, being involved in their communities, making it a place where everybody can come together and have great experiences across the board, schools, athletics, communities, all that. So thanks yeah. for, for really pushing that again, coach. And I and, wish and, you nothing but the best luck. Yeah. And the, the epiphany for me was that the same core elements we do when uh, for, for creating a strong team, for creating a good teammate, how to be a good teammate, you can replace that word with how to be a good citizen. 
right? You know, like so those words, like, first of all, you got to show up, then you've got to like have good relationships, you got to make others better, you got to, you got to sort of sometimes assert, assert your power, there's core elements. And so we've got some different stuff going on that too. But it's just coaches can be great at this. We've gone so it's like one more step. And we really kind of send them off and they're ready to do the great things that you're talking about. So thank you for having me on and, and let me talk about it. No, without a doubt. But also on that kind of same kind of uh, sphere of, of thought, I've always been of, of the mind frame that teams and sports are the great equalizer for differences in backgrounds and differences, opinions, whether it's uh, politically or just you think of something because of your your upbringing differently than maybe I do. But when you're on a same team together and you're working for the common goal, it bridges the gap of being able to be understanding and empathetic from where somebody is from, but also willing to work together to try to meet in the middle. Is that something that also is uh, a focus of, of this or an yeah. hope of, of this initiative? 100%. That, what we call it here at Georgia Tech is we call that when you're in the huddle. You know, that when you're in that huddle, looking in the eye to eye and going to, you know, going to battle with that guy, you, when you think about the teams you've been on, and, and those special experiences where those guys are like, you know, what you would do for those guys that you friend guys, you'd be friends with guys, you would, you go to battle with that. You don't have a lot of common and, you know, you wouldn't, people wouldn't have put you together necessarily. That's the powerful thing of sports. And I think that's um, the beauty of that is we can build upon that and, and teach empathy out into the community. And I think we can't, I think we maybe took that for granted sometimes like, well, I'm friends with these guys. I know where they're coming from, but was I really being a good listener? Was I really knowing what it like, you know, like I heard, you know, like some of our guys here, you know, that didn't like driving home in their car, African-American, but unless they're wearing their, they like to wear their Georgia tech gear just in case something happened, you know, just a normal day like the, you know, and, and you could think of like that versus, you know, they, something, you know, just, they like to be recognized in that affiliation. They feel a little protection with that, which shouldn't be how they have to live their life, you know? And so that kind of thing, like having that empathy and thinking about things in a broader sense, but I think the, 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 the preciousness of the, of the, of the team and building that so we can be good citizens beyond is something we're trying to work on. Well, Coach, thanks again. I know you got to run with more uh, coaching duties and meetings, but thanks again. Best of luck to Georgia Tech this upcoming season. Always great talking to you. I appreciate it. Uh, warm up, stay warm this winter. I hope to bump into you. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.